What's going on, everybody? Welcome and welcome back to Real Reality Realness with Cherie Laveau, the podcast where I, Cherie Laveau, dive deeper into reality television than most people watching feel is necessary and ask all the questions about the things that they don't want out. Today, I'm diving into the real reality of unpopular housewives and why I seem to love them so much. I'm going to be discussing all or as many as I can think of, of the housewives that the general fandom doesn't seem to be too fond of, yet I want back on the show by any means necessary. Lock in while I clock in and get ready for some unpopular opinions, because we're about to get into it. All right, all right, all right. What's going on, everybody? Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Can we start the show off really quick talking about pets? Listen, I know that I've told you guys about my dog, Abby, and about how she's an emotional support animal for me. I'm an emotional support human for her. None of this is on paper or documented. This is just all by feelings and actions between and betwixt her and I, right? Listen, I've acknowledged how aggressively she snores and I don't know if you all can hear this but my dog Abby literally snores like my husband and I would generally just take her in the house but the fact that she crawled from the back seat to come up here just to fall asleep laying on my feet is a little too touching for me to want to remove her from my presence Especially after she literally got up out of her bed just to come with me outside because she didn't want to be away from me. Now, some people may call this unhealthy. Some people may call this codependent. But I call it necessary for me right now. I appreciate being needed. I appreciate having a dog that wants to be by my side. And I love the dog enough to want to have it by my side. Because I know a lot of people who have dogs, have pets, and they really don't want to be bothered with them like that. And it always makes me wonder, why the hell do you have a dog in the first place? Because they are rambunctious. They want attention. They want to jump on you and kiss your face and do all of these other things. And, you know, that's just kind of how dogs are. But it seems like when a lot of the people get pets, they don't understand what exactly comes with them and they only see see something cute that they can play with. And if that's the case, just like get a toy dog or something. I mean, I know it's not going to be, you know, the exact same thing, but don't like play with a dog's life just because you want something cute to look at when you want it to look at, you know? Sorry, I kind of dived off into a tangent. Today, we're talking about unpopular housewives and why I love them so much. Because it seems like there is a consistency of housewives that the fandom seems to really, really hate, yet I seem to really, really love when they're on the show, you know? Now, when they're off the show... It depends on what their actions are giving, and we'll get into that in just a second. But I'm talking about the people when they were on the show and nobody liked them. I was like, I can see this, though. Like, I can see this. I feel like I'm always the person who views housewives differently than everybody else. Hence why I created this podcast, because I have a niche opinion. Um, 
And so I wanted to really talk about that because it's not like I like any of the pro. It's not like I like any of the housewives that are problematic. It's not like that. Like you won't find Kelly Dodd on this list. Um, you won't find people like, you know, Phaedra on this list, which honestly, I don't know if Phaedra is an unpopular housewife or not anymore. Like, I think Phaedra is just somebody who did something fucked up, got kicked off the show, but people like her so much they want her back. So I don't even know if she qualifies under the description of what an unpopular housewife is. Do you get what I mean? But the ones that I do have are the ones that I could think of in the moment. And I'm sure that if I sat back and thought about it long enough or just Googled unpopular Real Housewives, I could come across a list of ones that I actually liked. But off the top of my head, the ones that I considered housewives who the fandom hated but I loved were Telly, were Telly, Teddy Mellencamp, Eileen Davidson, Candace Dillard Bassett, Carlton Jebbia, and Cherie Laveau. Cherie Laveau, sorry, Shamari DeVoe. Is that meta or am I just a narcissist? I'm keeping that in the episode regardless. Anyway, we're going to be talking about Teddy, Eileen, Candice, Carlton, and Shamari. And those are my five housewives that I love, even though all of y'all hate them. And the reason why I chose five is because one, those were the ones that I could think of off at the top of my head without thinking about it. And then two, like I was saying to Deeply Superficial in the last episode, I come from hip hop, right? So I always try to incorporate all assets or all assets and all facets of my background and all of the areas of the entertainment industry that I come from and incorporate it into what I'm doing at the time because I originate in in the in the entertainment field or in the entertainment space as a dancer you know some people know that some people don't which is weird now because there was a time in my life where dance was what defined me and people only knew me as a dancer and then I branched off into music and branched off into drag and then branched off to doing music in drag and and YouTube and all these other things. So I kind of have had people recognize me or associate me with all different types of things. And I try to incorporate all of those things into what I'm doing. Long story short, tangent number two, right? So let's get to it. Um, Teddy Mellencamp. Listen, this isn't going to be an apologist segment for Teddy because she's on my shit list right now. But as a housewife, I really liked her. But the shit that she just did makes me understand why some of y'all don't like her. And I think that the that the same things that I fell in love with her about are the same things that just kind of worked in her disadvantage for me. Or that stopped working in her favor for me when she did what she did to Lisa Vanderpump about her brother. And listen, I'm not an LVP stan. I'm not an apologist. I'm not somebody who is going to go after Teddy because I like LVP. That's not what this is about. But I am somebody who's going to call right, right and wrong, wrong. And... Teddy orchestrating the takedown of Lisa Vanderpump was absolutely right. But her discrediting Lisa Vanderpump's grief over her brother because the co-workers or the other cast members weren't aware or weren't as aware of how close they were is completely wrong for me. So let's get into it. I'm one of those Housewives fans who loves normal people on the show. 
because I think that when the show started with OC, the women weren't super glamorous. They weren't super rich. You know, they were upper middle class women. It was very Desperate Housewives, how it really started from Desperate Housewives. And I saw a meme the other day that was like when housewives was really trying to be desperate housewives and and, and like how they wish that we could get back to that influence because they were wearing these same like silky satin organza looking shirts with the big appliques on the or on the breastplate and they were dressing like the women on the show the real housewives were dressing like the women on desperate housewives and they weren't going around wearing gucci suits and printed fendi sweatshirts and all these labels and designers They were wearing, you know, the most expensive things in the boutiques. They weren't necessarily wearing like designer labels. And it wasn't all about that and about how much money they had. It was really about coming into a real life version of this infantilized show that everybody was so wrapped up in. And so I came into the Housewives in that era when it wasn't all about the glam and the glitz and the this and the that. I think that... This generation of Housewives fans probably started around the time that Beverly Hills premiered because Beverly Hills is the franchise that really ushered in the glamorous, opulent, rich, super successful money pouring from the ceiling. They pull hundred dollar bills out of their bras like rich women, right? We didn't really see opulence, opulence until we got to Beverly Hills. I think in New York, it was, you know, women about town. In Orange County, it was, you know, the most popular women at the PTA, you know. Um, With Atlanta, it was, you know, the hot girls in the city. You know what I'm saying? The girls who married well or the girls who got a successful husband, but they weren't necessarily rich, rich, but they were once again, upper middle class. It wasn't until we got to Beverly Hills where we really saw rich, rich housewives with real money. Everybody had a gate. Everybody drove a car that we could never even think of buying. Everybody had, you know, designer on at all times. And we're going to these really fancy restaurants where you pay $200 for a grilled cheese and an Arnold Palmer. Like, it was just very that. And I think that that's where the modern housewives archetype came from and Lisa Vanderpump was the person to set that standard because she was opulence on Beverly Hills right where Teddy Mellencamp comes into that situation is she came in as someone who I like to call a housewives a viewer's housewife right and what I mean by that is she's somebody who comes in and represents the views of the show or like she represents the, the the viewer's perspective is what I'm trying to say. So like how we watch the, the show and how we ingest Housewives, that is how I think people, that's how Teddy came in. Do you get what I mean? There's one other person who I want to add to this list who's going to be my sixth man, um, Gina from Orange, from Orange County. She's somebody who I think fits this description perfectly. And I'm going to talk about her right after this because I think she fits this pers- this description perfectly of like a real life woman coming into Housewives and the fans not liking her because she doesn't have a lot of money. And being an OC, that really surprised me. But 
Teddy came in as like a real American woman, an average woman who had a little money. She was the upper class woman who came into this group of extremely rich women. And all of a sudden she looked out of place when you know what it is. Teddy and Gina specifically represent the old guard of housewives. And when they came in, they were coming into the new guard of housewives. So it didn't make a lot of sense when they were coming in in actual jeans and just a cute blouse and everybody there is wearing, you know, silk and lace and, you know, diamonds, but it's a barbecue. Do you get what I'm saying? That's really what it is. And I never thought about it like that, but that's really how I see it. I think that Teddy and Gina, they both represent the old version of housewives, which were women who had money. They weren't broke by any means. Those women were upper middle class. In fact, I'm just going to do Gina in the same breath because the same reasons that I love Gina are the same reasons that I love Teddy. Um... When Teddy came in, she wasn't the one who was wearing the labels and the fashions and the this and the that. She was the one one who was the mom whose husband was successful. She just happened to have a, have a step up in the game because her father was, you know, John Mellencamp or is John Mellencamp rather nobody died. But that's what made her interesting. And when it comes to her personality, what made what I like about Teddy is the fact that she holds people accountable. She's an accountability coach. And for some reason, Teddy holding people accountable became her being a know-it-all. And I think that that fell within her delivery because she almost talked to people in a way that was condescending or she talked to them like she's their therapist or like she's their coach. But I think that that comes from her establishing this brand for herself, which, fair enough, by all means, can be considered problematic. But... I think that's where that comes from, where she comes from this extremely disciplined life of, you know, being matter of fact and holding your, your um, self accountable and making sure that you're doing everything that, that, that you can to create and present yourself in the best light possible. And she brought that specific element of her personality to the show. And that was what was highlighted. You know what I'm saying? I think that Teddy was a great housewife and she moved story. Teddy was the one who orchestrated this takedown of Lisa Vanderpump. Like she took down the most popular housewife on the show and orchestrated the series of emit the series of events that made Lisa Vanderpump leave the show. Teddy did that. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, who else was going to do that? I think that had Teddy not gotten the ball rolling when she was standing in Vanderpump Dogs and she saw that Lisa was hanging her out to dry when Teddy came in there under the impression that she was going with this plan and, and that they were going to talk about Doree and the dog on camera. And then when she brought it up, Lisa left her out there to dry and was like, no, don't talk about it. I think that had Teddy not clicked in and realized what was happening had she not woke up and been like, oh shit, this bitch just set me up. Clock your references if you know what song that's from. Um, Had she not woken up in that moment and realized, I don't think that we would have gotten the the expose of Lisa Vanderpump that was the rest of that season. I think that with Teddy 
having that sense of awareness and that acute sense of accountability, that's the reason why we ended up getting Kyle in the kitchen saying to her, yes, I think that that you would sell stories to Radar Online. Without Teddy Mellencamp, we would have never gotten goodbye, Kyle. Y'all need to pay her some respect and really put some respect on her name. And I think that y'all just don't like her because she's not uber flashy with her money until she got got, got to season two and she started wearing labels for some reason, which I got irritated by. But um, I think y'all just like her. Be- y'all didn't like her because she was not the new the new prototype or the new archetype of what a housewife was. And I think that she was coming in in the regards of the old housewives, the early Tamara type of phototype where it was still like an upper middle class woman who's not super elegant, super rich, not showing off fashions and labels all the time, but she was moving story and holding the girls accountable. I think that Teddy came in under the Tamra Judge, the early Tamra Judge model of housewife, but it was at the very beginning of the Lisa Vanderpump prototype of housewife being built where it was very rich and everything was covert and the shade was all done behind the scenes and off camera and you didn't see the women necessarily playing housewives on camera I think that that's where that's where it kind of became a shift because you know Tamara's prototype of housewife of you know force multiplier somebody who's going to get in there and move story and really like in the actual moment of the scene, change the dynamic of the show and really like move the story and keep the shit going. Whereas that type of phototype still, that type of housewife still exists in the Kenya Moores, in the Giselles, in um, the Emilys even from OC. That type of get in there, make the shit happen, get in there and make a scene the Dr. Heavenlies from, from from Married to Medicine. Those type of reality stars still exist, but it kind of, there was a time when Beverly Hills started and when that type of housewife started to grow in popularity, it started becoming less popular for a woman to be obviously trying to keep the show going and obviously trying to make a scene. You know, that kind of shifted and it ebbs and flows because Giselle and Kenya get praised for it, yet Teddy Mellencamp gets hated for it. And I'm sure that all of that has to do with the personality and the way that you do it and the delivery, but the overall goal is the same and the overall end is the same. Do you get what I mean? So I think that those archetypes at that point were battling each other. And I think that Teddy was coming in as the early Tamara type of archetype and the Lisa Vanderpump archetype was being built and it was also being popularized and blown up and Lisa was really becoming that girl and that type of housewife and we started seeing a lot of housewives come around where they were rich and they didn't and they appeared to not have a lot of personality because they didn't openly get into the shit. Now, if they were behind the scenes making shit shake, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. It just depended on the housewife. But we didn't see a lot of housewives come out around this time that were openly shady and openly crazy. That's why I that's why I think Camille got such a bad rap because she was in a group of sneaky women. And I think she was the type of person... 
Like, I, I think that when it comes to Camille, I think that we saw an evolution happening and Camille was like almost ahead of the curve where she was coming in and she was like, she kind of set the standard for these sneaky housewives, but I don't think in the first season they were ready for that or they knew really what it was. And I think that Lisa Vanderpump saw what was happening with Camille and she adjusted it. And then she took that sneaky housewife type of thing and she pushed it to the next level. I feel bad for Teddy as a housewife because she did her job and she did it well. And for me, I don't understand why y'all don't like her other than the fact that she wasn't the most fashionable girl and she called out all your faves. Because I feel like if anybody else, like, like, like I feel like if somebody who came in with the fashions and came in with the this and the that, and, you know, I, I feel like had it been anybody else, y'all would have loved her. But because it was Teddy, for some reason, there were just certain things about her that, that y'all didn't like. And it really makes me want to do some type of experiment or some type of research on what makes a great housewife personality. Because I think it's it's conversations like this that lead us to start kind of wondering what is the ultimate type of housewife personality that, you know, you can't please everybody, but is generally across the board loved and liked. I I might try to do an episode on that. Let me know what you think about that. But in that same degree, when it comes to Gina from OC, she's the one for me that I loved when she came in, but everybody hated her because she appeared to be broke or she appeared to look like One, she was younger than a lot of the women on the show. And then two, a lot of people didn't understand why she was on this show because it's not like she was broke. They lived in a big ass house and then her husband had a whole place in San Diego or wherever it was that he was off working and doing all the other stuff that he was doing. But she had money. She just didn't come in with the labels and the fashions and doing all the extra shit that became standard on Housewives after Beverly Hills came out, right? So Gina, to me, her first season is the personification and the biggest example that I can give of somebody who came in as a viewer or came in representing the viewer's perspective while simultaneously being on the show. Because... Especially with Gina's first season, a lot of her confessionals were her reacting to being in Orange County and just moving there. But the way that it was delivered, it was almost like a fan watching the show who doesn't know anything about Orange County. Like a lot of her confessionals was like, so this is how Orange County is? This is how you Orange County women act? This is how they do it in Orange County? This ain't how they do it in New York. I'm from New York. I don't know how this works. I don't understand how y'all do this. This Y'all Orange County women are crazy, right? And it was like her trying to figure out how Orange County worked. And I feel like that was great because for people who weren't... Um, who weren't the biggest fans of Orange County or didn't automatically know about Orange County, I feel like Gina was a great person to introduce them to Orange County in this time period because she was somebody who was coming in fresh to it and she represented that specific 
viewer's perspective of somebody who didn't know or, or hadn't been to Orange County or wasn't familiar with Orange County. If you didn't know the Orange County women before, Gina was your way in. And I feel like with me personally, there was a shift happening where I had been watching Orange County from day one. But then after Gretchen and Alexis left and Heather came in and Kelly came in, which it more has to, which it has more to do with Kelly Dodd than 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 Heather Dubro. But she just came in around the same time. I stopped watching because I just didn't like Kelly Dodd for one and I think that there was just a time where I kind of just stopped tuning into Housewives because there were other franchises that were out that I just liked more. And so when girls that I just didn't care for, like a Kelly Dodd came into play, it kind of just made it easier for me to tune out. But when Gina came into the show, there was new blood. I was excited. I was like, okay, there's new girls coming in. Let's see what they're giving. I like Heather. I like Tamra. I even liked Shannon. Like, Shannon is one of those people who I'm so off and on about. I couldn't consider her an unpopular housewife because people love Shannon Storms Bador, but it's so up and down with her. Like one minute I love her, the next minute I hate her. One minute I'm ambivalent about her, the next minute I'm making a hard definitive decision about what I think about her. But Gina was my way back into Orange County and Gina was the perfect person to reintroduce me to Orange County after I hadn't been watching for a couple seasons. So it was exciting for me to watch her because it felt like I was almost on the show because she represented me as somebody who doesn't hang with these type of women, doesn't understand why they act the way that they do and is new to the scene because I hadn't been watching. But for some reason, y'all still don't like her. Like, she, she's ebbed and she's flowed. And people have been like, oh, she's had good moments. Oh, she's turned it in scenes. But there hasn't been a great shift in her perception on the actual show, right? There hasn't been a grand shift in people have started to like her more than they've started to dislike her. And for me, I've just grown to like her more because she owns all the shit that people try to hate her for. I may have a small house, but I'm living large. I love that tagline because she's like, girl, at the end of the day, it's not about living in a 10 bedroom house if the people who live in there ain't happy. Hello? Gina may live live in a small house, but she has a great relationship that we know of. Or did her and her boyfriend break up? I can't remember because Noella had me tune, tune out of the last season. I don't know what's going on with her, with her relationship. But ain't Gina and her boyfriend still together? You woke up, took a butt. Oh, sweet pea. Okay, kisses. Okay, let mama record, okay? Let me record. I'll play with you when I'm done with this podcast, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll take a break and tickle in, in just a minute. But yeah, Gina came in and was like, she was the person who was like my tour guide back into Housewives. And she was so normal and she was so cool. And I love a fish out of water. So her being from New York, she had this cool personality and she was different than all the women. But she's kind of 
grown to fit into what Orange County, the show, has become. I don't know how she fits into Orange County society and the women of Orange County, but on the show, to me, she's become one of those staples because she came in as the girl from New York and she really came in as the person who's matured and come into her own in Orange County. You know what I'm saying? Orange County has become her town because she's found and started a whole new life in Orange County. She's become a whole new person in Orange County. And watching that journey, I've loved that for Gina. I genuinely love that for Gina. So, you know, say what y'all want. I watch the, the, the show differently than you guys, and I guess I just see it differently. But for me, Gina and Teddy, they came in as people who weren't necessarily the richest girls, but they were the girls who were force multipliers, as Carlos King would say. Y'all go listen to my episode on Carlos versus Candy, basically, and let me know what y'all think about that. I tried to play devil's advocate and see both sides as much as possible, but I really want to hear y'all's thoughts on that. So go check out that episode. It's called A Mess in the Monarchy because Carlos King is the king of reality TV. So there's a mess in his monarchy right now. There's a mess in his kingdom, and I love both of them but if you go listen to to the episode you you'll hear my thoughts on that anyway um when it comes to gina i just think that you know she's also one of those people who calls people's out calls people out she gets involved she brings the drama she has personal story so i don't understand what she's not bringing as a housewife and why y'all don't like her like she calls out y'all's faves she sets shannon straight she's not afraid to get into the mess she has her own drama she owns her shit when she's wrong she owns that that she's wrong and she owns her part so why don't y'all like her because she's another one who I said the same thing th- thing about Teddy. She gives everything that y'all that y'all favorite housewives give, but they may not have one or two elements like all the money in the world to make them look more elevated than they are. But when it comes to personality and the things that they contribute to, 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 to the show, like personal story and drama amongst the, the girls and really fitting in, they bring that. So it confuses me why people didn't like them or don't, well, why why they didn't like Teddy and why they don't like Gina. Now, when it comes to Eileen Davidson, she is somebody, when I said at the beginning of the show that I want them back on the show by any means necessary, Eileen was the person I was talking about. Because Eileen is somebody who came in and she's my definition of a perfect housewife. She's my definition of a perfect housewife. And what that is for me is a blend of her having money, being opulent, having this grand and interesting life because she's this Hollywood actress who works on all these sitcoms. So she's glamorous because she wins an Emmy in her first scene on the show. The first thing we ever saw of Eileen Davidson was her winning an Emmy. That's iconic. That's iconic. We've never seen another housewife open the show winning an award like the closest we've seen to that is garcelle getting the award from the charity or whoever um she's getting the award for her charity work in her first season but even that wasn't the first episode that was a few episodes in when she was like my new best friends well some of y'all not 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 so much and then death stares kyle (sighs) 
she was bringing it first season. I don't know why y'all thought that she clocked in second season. I was like, oh, she's bringing it. Especially when she was like, that's some white people stuff. I don't know what they talking about. That's, that's, that, that's, that's crazy. I was like, Garcelle has been bringing it from day one, but I think she got more comfortable and she started calling the girls out for real. But she had shit to say and was fun her first season. But I, but I, I digress. With Eileen, she's definitely my definition of, of a perfect housewife. She's glamorous. She has the fancy life. She has money. She has esteem. And she has this really interesting life. She has a family. And 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 even if she isn't married, she has an interesting family dynamic. So, like, she just happens to, to be married. And they happen to have an interesting storyline where they met as, you know, the result of being in an affair with each other. And they left their their respective spouses for each other that's interesting backstory we we didn't get a lot on it but their dynamic as a family was really interesting because they were like a normal ass family with a lot of fucking money like they were doing very normal ass shit which is why i like jackie goldschneider from real housewives of new jersey a lot of money throwing a basic ass party i love that because they were doing real shit like playing in the backyard going back to Eileen they were playing in the backyard having a good time throwing the football her kid would do anything to embarrass her like her like her kid's whole mission on the show was to make his mom look crazy on on camera and I loved every bit of that because like I feel like that was just what the kid did like that like 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 that was just what her son did he just walked around and tormented his mom and there just happened to be cameras involved like, they, Eileen was such a fun housewife, but she was one of those people who just didn't do too damn much. She was one of those housewives who didn't have to go above and beyond and be extra dramatic and scream and curse and do malicious shit and be sneaky. She was one of those people who would just sit in your face and casually in a, in a conversation be like, but girl, you don't really have to talk to her like like that. Like, that's not... That, that that's not how she she's coming at you that's not nice i don't understand why you're doing that like that's just not like she didn't understand why it was so why the women were so damn extra like why y'all are going all out like this just to make your point i feel like Eileen was the person who understood that you didn't have to do all of that to get the same effect and she's the person who who represented that for me she was somebody who didn't have to scream and holler and throw shit and throw wine and break glasses to get the same point across like when she was sitting in front of Erica and she was like nobody killed your son like she said that so casually and so cavalierly because in real life that's not a big deal in real life, her saying nobody killed your son, nobody said anything about your child, calm, calm down, it's, it's like not that big of a deal. In the grand scheme of things, this is not a big situation. Calm down, it's not that big of a, you know, problem. And Erica lost it. Like, the way that Eileen reacted was normal. Like, girl, why are you doing all of this? At the end of the day, all I said was nobody did anything to your child and you're acting like I said somebody should shoot him in the face like calm down it's not that serious and i think that i i relate to that with eileen where if i was on a reality show and i was in a scene and women were acting like renna like erica i would be wondering like what the hell are you women doing like why are y'all acting like this like you don't have to do all of that and i think that if you don't 
if don't have to do all that was a person, it would be Eileen Davidson. Because to me, she came in, she got in there with, with, with the girls, she called people out, she had good reason, she was funny, she... She had a great family dynamic. She was hilarious, like in her confessionals and scene. She was very, she, 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 she was a loyal ass friend. And I just feel like, yes, Eileen even said herself that she wasn't, you know, the typical messy housewife. But I don't feel like every housewife has to be the same and has to operate in the exact same ways as everybody else. I feel like there can be housewives who are, you know, playing the game and, you know, going after the girls and being the force mul- the, the, the force multipliers like the Giselles and the Kenyas and the Renas and all of that. But then I think that there are girls who can come in and be normal ass people and get the job done in the exact same way. Like an Eileen Davidson, like a Gina Kirschenheider. I've been trying to avoid saying her last name this whole time because I was scared I was going to fuck it up. But once I got Goldschneider right, I was like, Let, let's just see if I can throw this out there. Gina um, Kirschenheider. Um, who else? There was another example that I had in my mind that early Heather Dubro was that person. She was somebody who came in and didn't have to do all of that. She was very, because she's the one who let her money be her status symbol, but she was never somebody who operated from a point of vantage of being rich. Like she knew she was rich. She lived an opulent life. She shut it down. She came in, she did all the things of the things, but she didn't have to talk about how much money she had. She just lived her life in a way where you knew she had a lot of fucking money. And that's what made me fall in love with Heather. And I think Heather leaning into this rich bitch aesthetic and her coming back in season 16 and playing the rich white woman it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit because I was like, Heather was the girl who never had to brag about being rich. She was the girl that just was rich. Like, I feel like she was the girl who didn't realize how rich she was or how uncommon it was to be that successful. Do you get what I mean? I feel like Heather was the one who probably came from money, who probably came from not necessarily being rich, but being never broke or being poor or like never struggling. And so I feel like she's the person who just always lived a certain type of life and knew what she wanted and knew what she wanted to get. And so once she got it, it was like, that's just what was supposed to happen. And she didn't realize how uncommon manifesting the life that she has actually is. And that was endearing about her. I love that about Heather in the beginning. So her coming back and leaning into, oh, I'm the wealthiest housewife. I have the biggest house. I do this. Shamps. Da, 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 da. Like it just became weird all of a sudden because I was like, girl, I was the one, you were the one who I was used to you not having to talk about money. You were the one who I was used to just showing up and being rich. And we were, and everyone around you was talking about how rich you were. I'm, I'm not used to Heather talking about money. You know what I'm saying? Now, what I did like about her in this season, and then we're going to get back to Eileen and then take, take, take a quick break. What I did like was that she leaned into them having a lot, lot of money, but it was more so about them earning a lot of money. Do you get what I mean? Like it was never, even in this new season of what I watched of it, Heather was always 
doing something. It's, oh, she's got this product. She's got this podcast. She's shooting for this company. She's got QVC. Her and Terry are doing a show. She's got a clothing line. She's selling jackets now. She does a podcast. Like, Heather, she shows how she's earning all of this money. And it's not, it's more so about her earning all of this money than just having a lot of money. And so that still is endearing to me about Heather, which is why I still liked her. But it seemed like she was more aware of how rich she was. Like the whole entrance of her coming back and being like, I'm back. It was a sickening scene. It really leaned into the Desperate Housewives origin story of Real Housewives, especially of OC. It really leaned into that. But I didn't like it because it was like she was too aware of her being rich. Like I like it like it looked like it was supposed to be her being uh, unaware. It looked like had she not come in and been I've been like I'm back and her just like Here's how that scene should have gone in my head. She should have walked through the house. It should have been like the opening to Mommy Dearest. Clock your references if you've seen the movie seen the movie Mommy Dearest. I feel like Heather should have recreated that opening scene where it's Heather getting up, getting ready for the day. You see her going through the house and you just see how rich she is. You 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 just see it. And all you see is her getting ready, going through the closet, going through the bathroom, stepping into her big ass office, going into her secret bathroom. And then she leaves the house and she just walks into a lunch with one of the women. Like, that's how it should have gone. It shouldn't have been us finally going in and seeing the big ass house and being like, I'm back and I'm richer than ever. Like, it just felt not what it was supposed to give. But anyway, that's what I mean when I say that Eileen is my perfect housewife because she's someone who doesn't have to flaunt how successful she is. She doesn't have to flaunt that she has a lot of money or that she's doing all of these things. I feel like she's the type of person who just is doing it. Like, she doesn't have to come on and say she's an actress. She's on all these shows. She's doing this show and that show. She just walked on the show and won an Emmy. And then and then when you talk about, then when you see her talk about all the jobs that she's doing, it's like, she's going to work. She's doing this. She's doing that. But it was never braggy. It was never her bragging about being on multiple shows. It was never her bragging about winning an Emmy. It was truly her earning her success. And that's why I loved Eileen so much because to me, she was a hybrid of somebody who was earning everything she had, truly earning her money. We were seeing where her success was was coming from in real time. And we were seeing her really do all of the work and earning her money. But she was also really lavish and lived in Beverly Hills and had this nice, nice big ass house. And she lived this opulent life, but she didn't brag about it and she didn't flaunt it. Perfect housewife for me. Y'all didn't like her. I want her back on the show by any means necessary. Uh, Okay, dead ass. I know that she said that she won't do it. She probably won't come back because she doesn't think that she fits the housewives mold. But Eileen, if you're listening to this, you are my perfect housewife. You're you're probably my favorite housewife. And that's a strong limb to go out on. But you're definitely in my top five. If not my favorite, you're definitely in my top five and probably my top three. Maybe top three, but definitely top five favorite housewives of all time. Do you get what I mean? 
So with that being said, we're about halfway through the episode. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and get into the rest of the girls. Be right back. All right, everybody, we are back. We have taken a quick break and we're going to continue with the second half of my list for my favorite unpopular housewives. And we're going to pick up in this episode with Candace Dillard Bassett, who once again, it seems like there's a theme because there's a lot of these housewives that y'all don't like that I don't understand because they bring everything that y'all it they bring everything that your favorite housewives bring but for some reason you don't like them and mind you ah i've accounted for delivery and other things like that the way that somebody delivers a message um them not having all the money in the world blah 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 those things kind of chip away at the validation of 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 what they bring to to the show to the fan base because their faith they aren't doing it like their faves right one thing that I haven't accounted for, and this is where Candace Dillard Bassett comes in, is microaggressions. And I think that the only reason y'all don't like Candace is because y'all have been conditioned not to like black women, and y'all have been conditioned to especially not like dark-skinned black women. And the reason I say conditioned is because hate is inherited and hate, I mean, hate is not inherited, sorry. Hate is not inherited. Hate is taught. Hate is conditioned. Hate is something that is demonstrated and picked up, right? So if you go through and you see the examples of dark-skinned women and the lack of representation of dark-skinned women, but if you usually see how dark-skinned women are represented in the media, it's usually presented in forms of caricatures, stereotypes. They're usually more directly targeted with angry black woman labels. They're often more silenced and more um, dismissed than lighter skinned black women. And that goes all the way back to the colorism conversation that was born out of slavery and, you know, dark skinned people work, work in the fields, light skinned people work in the house. All of that type of stuff. It goes all the way back in history and it's created this color barrier between black people that has not only subjected us to racism as a race of just black people from white to black. It's also allowed ourselves to inject colorism into the conversation and subject ourselves to racism from light skin to dark skin. Right. And I think that this plays into Candace's narrative because she is somebody who does housewives so well, but y'all hate her because she does housewives better than her light skinned counterparts who are y'all favorites, like Ashley, like Giselle. And that is what y'all can't take. And that's the part that upsets me because she gets treated unfairly because y'all don't like that she outsmarts your faves. She out dialogues your faves. She outreads your fave. 
And even down to the point where the women on the show have become so wrapped up in trying to feed the fans and trying to appease the fans that they have now turned and targeted Candace and now have tried to hold her to an unrealistic standard as if she has done anything or said anything worse than anybody on this show. I'm sorry, Candace saying yo mama or saying yo mama is low budget is not worse than Giselle making a t-shirt saying free Uncle Ben and tax reform. It's not any different than Ashley being like, weren't you the one that said Joe husband's penis was old and dried up and that's why you didn't want to have sex with him? How is that any worse than anything that anyone has ever said on this show, yet they make it seem like Candace just goes to the extreme level. It's not like Candace is saying anything like what Erica Jane is saying on this season. She's not saying, fuck your dead mama. She's not telling people's kids to fuck off. She's not saying, I don't give a fuck about anybody but me. She's defending herself. She's defending herself and she does it in a way that touches everybody's nerves. That's how you know Candace is a force multiplier because she's she's portrayed by everyone else as the underdog. She's portrayed as the one who everybody looks down on, yet she's the one who can get under everybody's skin and touch everybody's nerves. Why? Because she's actually that girl. Candace Dillard Bassett is actually the word on the street. Let's be very clear. Let's be very clear. It's the same thing like I was saying about Teddy earlier. Y'all hate Teddy so much for the same things that y'all love Renna for. But yet Teddy is the one who orchestrated the, the takedown of Lisa Vanderpump. Now, mind you, Lisa Vanderpump will always be the favorite of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it seems. So is it y'all don't like her because she's the one who, who was able to take her down? Or do y'all just not like her because y'all just don't like her? Let's, let's be real. Same thing with Candace. Do y'all not like her because y'all just don't like her? Or do y'all not like her because she does housewives better than Giselle? She she does housewives better than Ashley. And no matter what those girls try to throw at her, what those girls try to give her, she always comes out on top because she reads the girls down, gets them all in a tizzy, and makes them all flustered. Notice how Candace is never saying what these girls are saying is too much. All she does is pull up her bootstraps and come back at they ass. But yet when Candace opens her mouth, all of a sudden it's too much. What has Candace said that has been too much? If you want to take it out of a colorism standpoint, we can just talk about dark skin woman to dark skin woman. And I'm not calling Monique dark skin, but according to the paper bag test, y'all will lump her right in the same boat with Wendy and, and um, Candace compared to Giselle and Ashley. So from a darker skinned woman to a darker skinned woman, what did Candace say that was worse than I'll drag you pregnant and all? And I'm not saying that Monique was necessarily wrong for that. I mean, they were in, they were in a fight and she said what she said. But like what I'm trying to figure out is what, where is the vile, vicious things 
that she said. Like, the only reason your mama was such an issue was because they knew that Mia's mama was coming out of a drug addiction. That's the only reason that it made it such a big deal. I feel like if Mia's mama was on the same level as Candace's mama... Her saying your mama wouldn't have wouldn't have been a big deal. I feel like if Mia's mama had her own, she was well off, she was an astute woman, she could come in and handle herself and read her. If she was like Mama Wanda from Love and Marriage Huntsville, or if she was like um, Candace's own mama, I feel like they wouldn't have been as upset. But because they're trying to portray Mia and her mother with this woe is me victim storyline because she's gone through drug addiction, now all of a sudden, her saying your mama is such a bigger thing than it already is. That's the only reason. Y'all can't sit here and tell me that that, that was worse than, than Robin running up in Ashley face down to her own restaurant. Sorry. I don't know what y'all want me to say about that. Because Candace hasn't done anything for me that I can recall. And if y'all have examples, you know I'm all about being proven wrong and learning something new. Teach me something. Show me. Because I can't remember every, every, every single thing that has ever happened on Real Housewives of Potomac. So let me know what Candace has done so bad that, that she needs to be fired. But Giselle, someone who exploits somebody else's money troubles for a storyline, who who dresses their best friend up in male drag to go and ding dong ditch up a, a, a pizza at that same woman's house. The same person who has dug up cheating storylines and tried to question the paternity of one of her castmates children on the show and then tried to paint that woman's husband as aggressive for trying to apologize to her and for addressing her as a grown ass woman. Name something that Candace has done that was worse than that. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm I'm listening. Name something for me that Candace has done that has been worse than anything that anybody else has done on that show because I can't think of anything. So at the end of the day, I, I'm just going to leave it there. Y'all don't like her because y'all can't take her period. That's the only deduction that I can make because it seems like y'all are so caught up on disliking Candace and y'all can't even give me a valid reason as to why. Y'all are adding conditions onto normally acceptable shit or y'all are adding conditions and making something worse than everything else that was actually worse than what she did at face value. And that's not okay. So, moving on. We're going to move on to Carlton Jebbia. Who is a housewife that y'all couldn't stand in Beverly Hills. Y'all can't stand Carlton. Y'all don't like Carlton. Y'all ain't feeling it for Carlton. I loved her, personally. And I don't know if it was the whole witch thing that threw y'all off. I don't know if it was because she came on the show and called Kyle out, called Kyle out for all of her bullshit when Kyle was being painted as the Beverly Hills darling at that time. Um, I don't know what it is that y'all don't like about her, but it seems to be... 
I, I'm not gonna say that it's another situation of y'all just can't take her. But I appreciated Carlton because she came in and brought something completely fresh and different to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She came in with all that black hair and all that genuinely tan skin and shook up the whole dynamic. Like just about everybody on the show was blonde except for Lisa Vanderpump. And she just had a different vibe and a different energy and I think she was somebody who could have really brought a freshness to Housewives she had a completely different aesthetic like if she was interest, she, she was genuinely interesting right and I think that this is around the time where the archetypes and the phenotypes of Housewives really started to grow and really started to manifest themselves and become an actual thing I think that when it came down to this part of Housewives we started seeing Housewives could only be different within a certain box. So they had to fit within this box of what a housewife really is. And if you're different, then you have to be different, but still check fit within this box and, and have all of these re re requirements and still fit under this stereotype. And you can only be a variation within this type of stereotypical housewife. And all the franchises started becoming that and becoming their own versions of that. Where it's like, this is what a quote unquote housewife is. And then this is what a, a Potomac version of this housewife is. This is what a Beverly Hills version of this housewife is. This is what an Atlanta version of this housewife is. But there is a box of what a housewife is that all the housewives that get hired on the show think that they have to fit into and then they have and then they have to make what's unique about them work within this box that they're squeezing themselves into. And Carlton Jebbia did not fit into that in any way, shape, or form. And I appreciated that because she was different. I appreciated the fact that I could pick her out in the group easily. I appreciated that she sounded different. She looked different. She conducted herself different. She had different beliefs. Not only did she have a different religion, but she was Wiccan. So it wasn't like, oh, she's a Muslim. She's a Buddhist. Not to say that those are any less, but we see representation of different predominant religions very often. We haven't really seen any type of real representation of Wiccan culture. It's always something that, that that's infantilized for television and film. And so seeing somebody on reality television practicing Wiccan was something that I was really excited to see because I have a brother that's a Wiccan. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't really know much about his practices, but I did learn a couple things when I lived with him for a couple months and he did show me some things. And it's not, you know bubble bubble toil and trouble as they think it is like it's not as like i said infantilized as they represent it on tv and film you know what i'm saying if people went by all of the representations or or the stereotypes that people created on tv and film it would be a really sad world because let me give you air let me give you an example that relates to me up until recent years, like up until recently with like Pose and Legendary and like all of these shows that are actively showing positive representations of trans people. Like when I was growing up watching shows like Nip Tuck, watching shows like, you know, all this and all that. Um, 
not all this and all that. That's not the name of the show. But watching shows like Soul Food, the series, watching shows like Nip Tuck, trans people were represented one of two ways. For example, on, on Nip Tuck, there was a couple of representations of trans women. One, trans women who clearly didn't pass, and they were usually played by drag queens. Shout out to Willem, who played Cherry Peck. And then there are trans women like, I can't remember her name, but I always call her Jean Grey because that's the role that I know her best for. But she played a role on Nip Tuck and she was a trans woman and she was somebody who was deceptive and deceiving and she and she was considered as somebody who was manipulative and hiding something because she lived stealth, right? Which, if you want to have a conversation about transness and being stealth, that's a whole other episode and that's a whole different dive that I'm not really ready to take in this take in this moment or in this episode but what I'm saying is there's very stereotypical and negative portrayals of trans women right so they're either manipulative or they are um obviously born male right they they aren't passing right same thing with Soul Food, the series. Soul Food, the series had a trans woman on the show who not only passed, so she was automatically presented as somebody who was tricking the guy that she was getting into the bed with. Because she passed, because she was a beautiful trans woman, she automatically was, was manipulating the guy that she was going into the relationship with. And then she was also represented as somebody who lived by very blatant stereotypes of trans women. Like she said in the episode that because he slept with a trans girl that that made him gay now and like all like stuff like that. It's very negative stereotypes of trans women. I say that to say it's the same thing with Wiccan where or same thing with witches, with Wiccan, all of that. It's always portrayed in this extremist, dramatic, hyper-fixated, um, pointy hat, ward on the nose, cauldron, black cloak, bubble bubble, toiling bubble type of thing. And I felt like her season on The Real Housewives of Atlanta, Carlton's religion was extremely disrespected. And those women, because they hear, hear the word witch, they don't consider Wiccan to be a religion. And they were extremely disrespectful of that woman's culture, of that woman's religious practice, of her as a person. And I feel like they took that aspect of her life and they exploited it. And that was really one of the first signs of bullying that I saw on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills outside of game night when Br Brandy's first scene... What Kim and what Kyle did was bullying. I don't care what none of you bitches have to say. I don't care how funny the words slut pig are when said in the same sentence. They were bullying that woman. And she wrapped both of their ass up. She wrapped both of their ass up. And that's why I will forever love Brandy. You can even add Brandy to, to, to this list if you wanted to. Because... Brandy is one of those housewives that 
has had the ebb and flow. So I didn't necessarily know if I should put her on the list of unpopular housewives because when she was on the show and she was turning the girls, it seemed like just as many people hated her as people who loved her. So I felt like she's always had like 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 an even keel on the show. But once the people who she was in the alliance with, like, like LVP started turning against her, I feel like LVP's fans started turning against her. So eventually her alienating herself alienated her fan base as well and she kind of had all of the people's fans turn on her right but i feel like what when she was doing lvp's dirty work people loved her but then soon as lvp turned on her that's when people started hating her and then after that all the women started to hate her so she kind of got this narrative of being of being a hated housewife when she never really was a hated housewife anyway carlton I felt like deserved a second season because I felt like we got, we deserved to see a more honest and a more respectful and a more transparent and educational display of what the Wiccan culture was because you sat here and basically made her the Wicked Witch of the West. You basically, like, it was damn near to the point where the editors may have may as well have every time Carlton walked on scene they may as well had to just superimpose a pointy hat and a fucking broom next to her when she was in scene because they allowed and showed them making fun of her fucking um religion this whole season witchy poo witchy poo or, or whatever the fuck Kyle said like I just don't understand. I don't understand. Like, if Carlton would have came back, yeah, bitch, take you and your yarmulke and get the fuck out my face. Because Kyle is Jewish. Y'all would have had a goddamn stroke. If she would have told somebody on the show who, who who's a Christian, bitch, I'll bitch, I'll nail you to the cross. Get get the fuck out my face. Y'all would have said that she was being blasphemous and anti-Semitic. But y'all can sit here and make fun of her religion and disrespect her religious practice just because the word witch has been infantilized and blown out of proportion but her actual religious practice wrapped around that word was made fun of the entire season and nobody said a goddamn word about it it's disrespectful it's disrespectful not to mention she has some great ass one liners and she, and she was funny Carlton was funny she had that accent I can't remember where she was from but she had an accent I, I love an accent y'all and she she just read the girl she was not afraid to call nobody out she was blunt she was writing she was writing your yo a face with it I, I feel like the shit that she said in scene was even more direct and even more funny than the shit that she said in her confessionals which is rare Usually it's the opposite. Usually the girls get quiet in the scene, but they talk all the shit when they get on the um, confessionals. When they sit in that chair, oh, they get to talking shit. But but when they in scene, they ass is quiet. Oh, okay. I don't know what's up with that, but y'all girls really need need to stand the fuck up when y'all in scene. I I don't know what it is y'all need to do, but I'm tired of y'all not having shit to say and fumbling the ball when y'all in scene, and then when y'all get time to think and reflect and write a read or two or or, or child hire a social media manager to write you a caption for the damn 
um, confessional and the after show. Then all of a sudden, once the scene been over, edited, shown on screen, now all of a sudden, y'all got something shady to say. Way after the fact. The shit don't hit like it used to. The shit don't hit like it used to. Confessionals don't hit like they used to. And they not as stingy to me as they used to. Because the girls used to really come in the confessionals and read the girls down. But it was like a continuation of what they were saying in the scene. And I think that that's where the girls got it fucked up. The problem with confessionals now is now the girls put the entire read in the confessional. Whereas before... Like in the golden days of Atlanta, I think that's what I, 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 I think that's one of the cities, if not the city, that really made the confessionals what they are. Because you would see them going at it in the scene, you would see them delivering the reads and going at it in the scene, but then it would cut to the confessional and it would be like a continuation of the read. It would be like she would read her in the scene and then it would cut to to the confessional and she would continue reading her. One of my favorite examples of that is Nene Leakes in any scene, to be perfectly honest, in any in any argument, Nene was known for this. But Puerto Rico is one of the best scenes in Atlanta history when she was like, they, they make, make them in your size when you got the coins. You better pull it out and zip it and see what, what this tag said when you pull this zipper down, honey. Something's wrong with your Bob. Something. Something is wrong with, with your Bob. And then it will cut to her and be like, Claudia, you have you you may have the eye, but you do not have the T. Uh, okay, you are not that girl. And it would just be like the read would go from the confessional back to the scene. Like that's what needs to happen. Nowadays, the girl just sit here and just be like, da-da-da-da-da, bitch. Bitch, so what? So what? I don't care. I don't care. So what? That's not reading. And then it would go to the scene. Then it would cut to the confessional. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then it would cut to the confessional. And it would be her delivering a classic ass read. Like, girl, she thinks she got it together. But she's really falling apart at the seams, honey. Just like that raggedy ass blouse she got on. And then she'll pick up her drink and sip it. And tilt her head to the camera. Real messy like. You know what I mean? I don't like that. Because why couldn't you say something slick in the damn scene? You just hollering just to be hollering. Just so you don't sit there and look stupid. That's not an argument for me. I want you to deliver the reads you deliver and your, and your confessionals in the scene. And then I want you to continue those reads in the confessionals. Study Real Housewives of Atlanta. Because Real Housewives of Atlanta is real good for that. And I mean real good for that. They will be reading your ass on camera and will continue that read right in right into the confessionals nene leaks is not the only one who does it i think that's one of the really signature characteristics of atlanta is that they do that they're able to read you in the scene and give you the drama with or without a confessional and i think with a lot of these other shows the confessionals add 
to the show in a way where the show is not as good without the confessionals. But I think in Atlanta, the show is just as good with or without the confessionals because the the confessionals are truly just an extension of the show, but they're not a necessary factor in creating the show. Get what I mean? Okay, so the last person on my list that I am going to talk about is Cherie. I keep wanting to say my name, Cherie Laveau. Apparently, I am the most hated housewife that I love. Okay. Was like, is this a Freudian slip that keeps happening? Like, am I manifesting something? Like, am I going to be the first trans housewife that everybody is going to hate, but I'm going to love it because I'm turning it? And I know that the only reason that the audience hates me is because I'm trans and they're going to invalidate why I'm cast on the show in the first place. Is that what it is? Like, is this like... Freud and the 48 Laws of Power and the Law of Attraction and astrology and and like numerology all coming together for my greater good? Am I recording this podcast as a way of manifesting my future trajectory on the show itself? Hmm. That could just be my Virgo brain doing absolutely too much. Anyway, Shamari DeVoe. Listen, I agree that Shamari came through like like a bull in a china shop and I feel like Shamari came through and did absolutely too much as far as when she was in scene with the girls and she had she has a bit of a quirky personality she's bubbly she's goofy she's odd she has a very Shannon Storms Bedore Kim Richards type of personality and I get that we don't see that a lot from black women, right? The uh, the only other example that I can give you is Mary Cosby, right? Mary Cosby is another example of a black woman that we don't usually get to see on reality television who is just quirky and weird and funny, but she's not funny in the way that we typically see black women in this urban type of way, right? <laughs> and I placed the word urban in quotation marks. Um, With Shamari, I feel like she was cast on the show just a season too soon. I feel like had Shamari come on the next season, Shamari would have been more prepared to be on the show. I feel like we should have got Shamari as a friend for the season that she was on and then got her as a full time the second season because she was too fresh out of giving birth to the boys and I feel like she was just getting her bearings and just coming into social settings and just kind of coming out of the fog of being a new mom and just getting back to life and I feel like that is not something that the fans of this generation of of housewives want to see the fans of this generation's housewives we want to well not we because I'm not that girl but the fans of this generation of housewives they want to see the girl come on and already have it all together already have all her ducks in a row already be rich already walking through in red bottoms and Versace already come through with with the bundles and the go naked and the businesses and the husband and the kids like they want to see you come in with the whole package they want to see you go off do you hear what I'm saying There's not really a place 
in the current state of the Housewives cinematic universe where the fans appreciate a housewife that comes on the show to build her icon status, right? Housewives like Brandy Glanville, housewives like Gina Kirschenheider, they aren't really liked anymore because they're coming in and they're building their own independent wealth and they're coming in and they're not the rich girl who already has it all together and they're not coming in with this aspirational lifestyle that we all want to be. And I think that is the difference between the old guard of housewives like the early seasons of Real Housewives of Orange County, New York, and Atlanta and even new and 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 even New Jersey to a certain point. I feel like New Jersey was the beginning of us starting to get these super opulent housewives because when New Jersey first started, we started seeing money. We started seeing these big, huge houses. Like, we started seeing mansions when New Jersey came along, right? And we started seeing money being flexed in a different type of way. Like, we started seeing wealth be a part of the woman's personality versus just something that was a part of her life. Do you get what I mean? And then when Beverly Hills came out, it was not only just a part of the woman's personality, it became a part of the show's aesthetic. And it took it to a whole nother level. So New Jersey was like the perfect blend of that, where it was like they were rich, but it was new money, right? So we were seeing these women who had a lot of money. They were rich. They were living in mansions, but they still dressed like they were just the uh, just the PTA, the uh, up, up, upper middle class women because they were just coming into this money so they were still transitioning from just the uh, from just the uh, upper middle class to now being wealthy whereas when Beverly Hills started the the show started wealthy that was the aesthetic of the show was rich they hold diamonds in the intro like it was the aesthetic right with Shamari i feel like she just needed time because she was so fresh she wasn't all the way together yet she was still kind of getting her bearings and I think she was all over the place in a way that we couldn't keep up with and she was already a new girl and we weren't really like the fandom as well as the cast members are already hard on new girls as it is so Shamari coming in being wide open and you know with the whole open marriage, she dated girls. It was just a lot at one time, especially when she was falling out drunk all over the place. Like, to me, Shamari was Bronwyn before Bronwyn. Like, legit. I feel like she was just Bronwyn before Bronwyn because she just had so much going on at the same time. But it wasn't like she was crazy. It was just she was, she was fresh outside. Like, think about this. Think about it like this. What Shamari gave on her first season was what a lot of y'all was given when y'all were able to go back outside after quarantine. Think about that. When y'all first started going back outside after quarantine was over, weren't y'all wider than all outside? Weren't y'all out here ripping it and doing it and whooping it up and turning the party and, and acting a fool and showing y'all ass like y'all was 17 sneaking in the clubs again? 
Or was that just me? Not about the part of wilding out, getting fresh outside. I'm talking about the one that was 17 sneaking in the clubs. But that's a whole different story. Anyway, um, I feel like that was Shamari. She was just coming out of being locked down into being a new mom. You know that first year or so when you first give birth to your children, your whole life stops. Because every waking moment of your life is wrapped around every waking moment of this, of this child's of this child's life. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, because everything that they need is coming directly from you. So she is coming from this, not that I'm saying it's a trap, but she's coming from this, she's coming outside. Shamari was back outside her first season. And I don't think we really understood that type of energy because we hadn't gone through COVID yet and we hadn't gone through quarantine. And I think that we didn't really understand that type of behavior because one, postpartum is something that is not discussed on Housewives like that, surprisingly, because most of the women on the goddamn show have children. Like we have, like we discuss postpartum on the show, but it's not so something that is really talked about too often and I'm surprised that it hasn't been talked about more especially with the housewives getting younger and younger like earlier in the show I can understand it making sense because these women were coming into the show middle-aged and past their childbearing years most of them so 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 like at the beginning of the shows it made sense because most of these women were past the point where they even wanted to have new babies but as the time goes on the housewives fans are getting younger every day so now the housewives themselves have to get younger every day to catch up with that and so i'm surprised that we're not having more and more conversations about postpartum just like cynthia's um conversation about fibroids fibroids when she was on the show i think that was the first time that i had ever heard of fibroids was from cynthia bailey i learned about that from her so it's amazing to see what conversations about women and, and and women's lives that are actually had on the show. And I think that Shamari could have really opened up a real conversation about a lot of different things that just hadn't been talked about on Real Housewives before. But I think she was cast a little bit before her time. I think that has she been a friend of the show her first season and then came in as a full-blown housewife when she kind of got her bearings in real life as far as... It, if she had gotten that first season to get her bearings in real life as far as being a new mom who was fresh outside as well as being on the show in that dynamic and in that space in her life, I feel like had she had that time not with the focus all on her being a new housewife, I feel like she could have had that time to really seep in and really get her shit together and really kind of figure it out and pull herself together and really see what she needs to do to snatch it all, to like snatch it all right. And then her second season, she would have came in guns blazing, right? But that's just my opinion. I just feel like we didn't give Shamari her fair shake. Um... I think a lot of people would have expected me to put Ebony on this list because a lot of people didn't like Ebony and I am an Ebony K. Williams stan. I know that I combat that word a lot, but she is somebody who I stand for. Not to say that she can't do anything wrong, but she's a person who I am willing to say that I stand for even though I don't actually stand for them. But I do admire them to the level of stand right? 
I feel like she didn't have a bad season. And the reason why I feel like I don't put her on this list is because the circumstances that she was given to work with were out of her control. I feel like she was put on a show as a black woman, as a black woman in a group of white women who come from an a who come from a time they're older than her so they come from a time where things like this just aren't talked about they have a different understanding of race and of culture and of people and if you question their behavior it's automatically like you're coming after them when it's more so like you're trying to educate them on how they're coming off versus calling them out for being a certain type of people. I feel like they, the, the women that she was on the show with come from an era where you have, where you acknowledging their wrongdoing is a judgment on them as people versus just acknowledging behaviors that look a certain way and acknowledging what that is and dissecting that, it becomes this overarching narrative about who they are as people. And they're so caught up in re in reputation and looks and ego that they don't step back enough to understand what the person is truly saying, right? So she was put on the show as a black woman who's younger than these women in a political climate where... Black Lives Matter is rampant and it's something that nobody wants wants to talk about. And she's put on the show to basically wag her finger at these women and teach them about how them being white women is wrong. She was set up to fail. So that's why she's not on this list. I feel like Ebony K. Williams was truly set up to fail. I feel like she was not given the, the, the support nor the tools or the time to truly have the conversations with these women that was needed. And I feel like Ebony K. Williams was the perfect person to be cast to do exactly what they wanted her to do. But they stacked all the odds against her. So she was going into it with her hands tied. And so it made it made for a bad season regardless because of everything that was already going on around her and then the situation that she was put in and the position that she was put in as a new cast member on the show, she was set up to fail not only with the women, but with the fans. Because not only are these women seeing her as the woman who's coming in, she's the new girl on the show for one. She's a black woman who they're not used to being around for two. She's coming in and talking to them about race and saying things that they interpret as being blatant attacks on their character or them as people when she's talking about their behaviors and the, and the way that they're coming off. And they don't know her. She's brand new in the group. She's not familiar with anybody in the group, not even Leah. And Leah used her not to further the, 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 the conversation of Black Lives Matter, not even to appear woke. She used Ebony to try to stick it to Ramona and Luann, and she tried to use it, she tried to use Ebony to call the women out as racist and problematic so that she could take them down. 
It had nothing to do with her aligning with Black Lives Matter. It had nothing to do with her actually being friends with Ebony, but it had everything to do with her utilizing the, the situation that she was in and the climate that we were all living in to try to take these women down on the show. Ebony K. Williams was set up to fail. And that's why I don't put her on this list because I feel like y'all were not given a chance to actually get to know Ebony. Y'all were give y'all, y'all were given a personified version of her resume. And I don't feel like that's fair. I don't feel like y'all got to judge Ebony on a true first housewife season. I don't feel like she got to have a real first housewife season. And whereas a lot of the times housewives having bad first seasons are because of them and what they do, this was this had everything to do with the network and everything to do with the producers and the production and the situation that they put her in. So that's why she's not on this list. And with that being said, we're going to take one final break and then I'm going to come back and wrap up the show. All right, y'all. Be back in a second. All right, everybody. This is the end of our show. We have come to the end of the road. Don't critique my singing, girl. I know I can't sing. Anyway, although we've come to the end of the road, I can let go. Because at some point, these podcasts have to come to an end. And when I feel like I don't really have anything else to say, I go ahead and end the damn show. Do you get what I mean? See, that's the beauty of having a podcast. Is it can be as short or long as you want it to be. And there's not really a time constraint that you have to fit within, especially when you're doing it independently at first. And there's not, you know, a company that I'm doing this this podcast with or through. So there's not any constraints on me to do anything in any amount of real time. Do you get what I'm saying? So especially with me being somebody who doesn't write scripts for my podcast. Like I don't, like I love the people when they do their YouTube videos, they write scripts and they, you know, prepare exactly what, what they're going to say. And they know that they want to have the video within this amount of time frame, with what, what within this specific time frame, and this, that, and the third. I am not that person. I think I just get on and say what I have to say and get to the point and you know I let it be a conversation and because it can be long form I get to the point and then I allow myself to go here there and it here there and everywhere and then let it come all the way back around full circle to what we were talking about because I think it allows for a more well-rounded and a fully breathed conversation do you get what I'm saying so I appreciate y'all for being here. I appreciate y'all for taking the time and listening to my spiel about all of the housewives that you guys don't like and some of the ones you do because I ended up bringing up all different ty- types of housewives in this sh- in this episode to um, further validate all of my points. But I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the episode. Let me know what you agreed with, what you didn't 
what you didn't agree with. Let me know if you have more picks to add to this list. I would love to do a part two. So you can suggest me housewives that are unpopular and I can even compile a second list if you suggest me enough housewives that y'all don't like that I think are good housewives. There may just be a follow-up to this episode. Let me know if you think I got it wrong. Let me know if I opened you up to some perspectives that you maybe didn't consider when it came to explaining why I thought these were good housewives. Is there anybody who I talked about on this episode that changed your mind and maybe you do want to see them back on the show because now that I've explained my perspective on them, it kind of made you want to see them on a show in a different light. Let me know how you guys feel. Um... Like, share, subscribe. If you like the episode, like the episode. Like, share, subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Do all of the thank the thank the thank the things. Um, let me know what you think about my last uh, my, my last episode, the deep reality of superficial realness. That was the that was the collab that I did with the YouTube channel Deeply Superficial. That was my first interview on the podcast, and I was really excited about it. I was really nervous, but we had a really good time. And yeah, let me know what you guys think. I have a lot of more interviews coming up. I'm booking it. I'm booking interviews left and right with all different types of content creators, all surrounding reality TV. So you guys are getting ready to hear a whole bunch of really interesting conversations from a lot of really interesting people who cover and create content about Bravo or about reality TV or about Housewives from really unique perspectives. And so the mission that I have for this podcast is really coming into shape and I'm really proud of it. And I hope you guys are enjoying it too. So with that being said, I'm going to head out of here. I I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll hit you guys later. See you in the next episode. Love you. Bye. Peace.